0: Welcome back to the Devils in Detail podcast. I'm Zach McHale. Joined alongside me this week are Richard Giraffo and Ethan Schmidt. The Sun Devils are on the bye this week, but we're still here to talk some ASU football. Guys, let's get right down to it. Arizona State loses again on the road, 28-21 to Colorado. Buffaloes take the final 7-10 of possession to run out the clock, keep Arizona State off the scoreboard, and keep them from tying that game.
1: Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, it was interesting because in reality... We saw the Buffs do exactly what Arizona State wanted to do. This entire season, all they wanted to do was control the clock, be able to dictate the pace and play the game they want to play, but they got completely turned around on when the Buffs just did that. They held the ball for basically the entire fourth quarter. And there was no shot for ASU to really even get back into this game.
2: Oh yeah, and definitely the struggle for ASU is they're trying they're trying to commit to running the ball, but it seems like the Sun Devils don't utilize their weapons when when necessary. Um, we saw against Colorado when Manny Wilkins was able to take shots to his wide receiver Frank Darby, but um, always always converting back to the run game. And Herm's right that you definitely have to stick with it, and you can't just give up on things. But there's times where they need to take shots more often. Well,
1: what what do we think? So like you know, this team obviously this isn't the first time we've seen them do this. It's been a concerted effort. Like to get the ball moving. Like, what do we think of this? What do you guys think? This is obviously the identity they want to go for, but they have these guys on the sides. You got Frank Darby; he's talented. Nikhil Harry; he's obviously fantastic. But like, what what do we think of this? What? Why are they doing this?
0: You know, I I guess I'll go first, and I'll hear. um, I mean, it's really simple, and then it's Eno Benjamin. To a degree, I think Herm Edwards is really game planning for the future. Manny Wilkins, solid Pac-12 quarterback. Solid Pac-12 quarterback. Redshirt senior, he's gone after the year. Nikhil Harry Jr. likely going to the NFL. Eno Benjamin, true sophomore. You'll get two more years out of Eno Benjamin, likely, unless he goes to the draft early, in which case, then he will come up with another plan. But we I mean, still have a year. You yeah. at least yeah. you have, yeah. He is, he is the future. I mean, it'd be. Hmm. While it's definitely not the greatest idea to run your offense through your running back when you are typically a passing school, and the Pac-12 is typically a conference that succeeds by airing it out and kind yeah. of tearing each other apart from the inside this comfort this team is totally changing its identity and i don't think it's for the better honestly i mean Eno benjamin is a true sophomore and while he's considered to be a workhorse back 58 carries in the past two weeks you saw the exhaustion i yeah. mean granted there was some out al- there was some altitude and elevation that factored in the offensive line was tired maybe the same holes weren't there but the offense was so predictable yeah. i mean you saw it was run run pass run run pass there was no variation or way to throw the Buffalo's defenders off.
1: You know, one interesting thing that you just made me think of, with a few weeks ago, in one of the press conferences, Herm was talking about how he didn't know if Benjamin was gonna respond well to the high amount of carries that he had. Right now that, you know, he's still running the ball well. He's fantastic. He had over hundred yards last week or something, right? He's still doing great. But do we think that if you take a look at this, because it's obvious they're hundred and twenty yards, gas. Rich. They had 120. He had 120 yards on the ground last week. Obviously, this offensive line is running out of gas. Do you think that... Uh, here's what I think. I think they're going to try to... They have to find the middle ground. Because, like Zach was saying, there's too much talent. There's just way too much going on Seriously. in this Arizona offense.
2: Yeah. I mean, without a doubt. When when you're not utilizing Nikhil Harry, and even Frank Darby, who's emerged uh, as, a, as a huge deep threat, he leads the nation uh, in, in uh, yards downfield and receptions and that when asu is not utilizing those guys like i'm not sure what they expect when and you try to control the clock but when you're a when you know the whole team has talked about those 80 20 balls when when you're throwing it deep to Nikhil, most likely you know it's 80 percent of the time he's coming down with it and and i feel like each time this year he's reeled those in so
0: why not give him more opportunities like that the big problem though with the deep balls is it's they're too. They're becoming into a, a part where they're expected now, because generally when you run the ball as much as Arizona State has been, the predictable pass play is a play action fake or just a play action play downfield. When you have a guy like Darby who's a, a vertical threat, Harry who can make yeah. plays in all in all different that's phases true. of the field. I mean, the fact of the matter is, Manny Wilkins is also not hitting the passes he should be hitting. I mean, only twelve of eighteen. That's eighteen passing attempts. He had 48 against Michigan State. That is Eesh. absolutely <laughs> night and day difference right there. Wow. And of those 12 completions, three were to Darby for 134 yards. Wilkins had 222 yards last week. That's more than it's half so right inconsistent.
2: there. I, it, you can't
0: you can't cons- you can't think that you re- realistically have a chance to win a football game in the Pac-12 if more than half your yards are coming on three completions and to the same guy. I mean, granted Darby doing an excellent job getting. Separation downfield, making plays in, in double coverage, like we saw. But it's but
1: once every five quarters. Right? Exactly.
0: The fact of the matter is this: they need to find some other weapons. Kyle Williams, great slot receiver. Nikhil Harry, excellent talent, as we mentioned. Even guys like uh, Tommy Hudson are using Benjamin out of the backfield. The the what's gonna what's gonna come back to bite Arizona State from the second half of the season if they continue this run heavy identity where they're so predictable is you're not going to see these types of players coming back to ASU. You've got a breadth of talent, Darby, Williams, Harry, at the receiver position. I'd be blown away if you see guys like that coming back after Herm Edwards has basically established the fact that we're going to run the football. If you don't like that, that's tough. Same thing goes for the quarterbacks. They've got Ethan Long and Joey Yellen, two four-stars, coming in next year. But beyond that, the future is very unknown, and it can it should stay unknown unless you start to see the ball being thrown around a little bit more.
1: Do we, I I don't know, I I think it will. I think this has been an experiment. This is Herm's first year. This is his first year feeling this program out, feeling this team out, feeling what he has. We were talking about, you know, earlier, how we're going to lose a lot of big guys. They just are. So, obviously, there has to be a little bit of molding. And I think you were right to hit on the fact that he's looking towards the future with Eno, and he's trying to get him going, 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 going the entire season because he wants to establish that. But I think next year, and even in the latter half of the season, especially if things start to go south, they're sitting at 500 right now. The three and three, one and two in conference play. But if things really start to go south, and it may because the schedule is not getting any easier, I think we'll see a much more diversified playbook. They have to. You got to get some spread out there. You got to get some. You got to get out of the 13 personnel. They're just running. They've got two tight ends, one tight end. They're, it's too much. It, yeah, it just I is. Mean, and against Stanford? that's not going to work. Stanford is going to eat them alive. Oh yeah. It's it's got to be quick passing
2: from Manny Wilkins and maybe even looking at some of these run pass option plays where you you can either give it to Eno or you know stay focused or Manny can have the ball and make his decisions on the fly. I feel like Wilkins hasn't hasn't trust, trusted himself enough to carry the ball this year. Not not running mm. the ball as much especially when he has the opening, but he has done a better job of keeping his eyes downfield when he's on the scramble.
1: It's just, it's a weird, uh, this team is weird. That—that's. That's, it uh, is if there's weird. a, if there's a word chances, to describe they, it. They could easily,
2: yeah. they could easily be 5-1. I don't yeah, want to say 6-0, oh, but they're not,
0: yeah. you know? So, I mean, the biggest thing you just mentioned is, you don't know, It's it's a lot of unknown, it's a lot of confusion of what could be. Coming into the season, it was projected this offense would be good. I mean, that, that was something that Herm Edwards was going to inherit that had experience, had talent, and it had depth. Yeah. Now that that's a question, the problem, the problems on the other side of the ball are so much more evident. This defense looked, again, against Colorado, this defense looked absolutely lost.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know if it's lost. I, I think it's just it's too much for them, too. Like, they're on the field the entire time. We mentioned the fourth quarter, of the time of possession was unbelievable. You know, 12 minutes. How do you expect your defense to do anything when they're in there every single play for 12 minutes? I mean, even more than that,
0: Arizona State had the ball for a minute 40 in the fourth quarter. How do you expect to win a game with a minute 40 but, of possession yeah, in the final 15 I minutes? Mean, we've seen
2: minutes? that in other games, too, like the San Diego State game. The Aztecs chewed up almost the entire clock in the fourth quarter, yeah. just like the Buffs did last weekend. It's,
1: it's weird, though, because this, this Sun Devil defense is statistically solid. They're pretty good. They're fluid. They just don't seem to have that that base. I feel like they can make a lot of plays, right? But they don't have a specific rock that they can count on every single game. Like in the the middle of the field, this is something I've noticed the last few weeks. The middle of the field is consistently open. Anything. You get a drag route over the middle, quick slant. You could just do easy in. There just doesn't seem to be a presence in between the hash marks for the Sun Devils. Like Merlin Robertson's doing a fantastic job getting into the backfield. LaWall is doing a pretty good job. They're all doing a decent job as linebackers, but in coverage, there's just nothing in the middle of the field. We saw it against Washington. We saw it San Diego State. They, they were able to just run it, like no problem, right up the middle. They weren't going outside. They were just going, boom, right down the pipe. And until you shore up the center of your defense, how are you supposed to account for time of, pos- like it goes back to time of possession? If you can't stop the run down the middle, you can't control the pace of the game. You can't dictate it. You just can't. Yeah, and the defense needs to
2: start coming in clutch on those third down situations, uh getting getting off the field and not having any sloppy penalties. And then when it comes down to, to just back to the basics, tackling, tackling in open space and, and gang tackling, I feel like the Sun Devils haven't haven't improved in on that aspect in the I don't know,
1: I feel yeah, you're right to a degree, but if there's something the Sun Devils do well, I think it is, like, pursue. I think they get 11 hats in football every time. I really do, but it's just a matter of winning well, I mean, against, Col- against Colorado, there was a lot
2: of times where, like, especially when LaVisca Chanel would, well, would he take was, the ball. He, he was a beast no matter yeah. what, but, but there were times where they had him stopped before the first down marker, and he was just able to escape those arm tackles and get through, yeah granted he is he has a huge frame but still like
0: but it comes here but i mean i hear what you're saying about chanel and we're definitely i w- want to get into him next here but i mean it comes down to your experienced players not showing up putting too much pressure on the new guys yeah. i mean coming mm-hmm. in again i mean like we said offense expected to produce now they're changing their identity and it's becoming unknown like this defense was expected to be with gonzalez implementing the three-three-five. Initially thought the linebackers were doing a nice job of that of, of adapting.
1: Yeah.
0: Initially thought the corners were doing a nice job. I mean,
1: I think the corners are doing a pretty they, good
0: job. I, I would agree with that, but I think this was their worst game of the season by far. I oh mean, yeah. I mean, right, like going into Chenault, thirteen catches, one hundred and twenty-seven yards, almost that's, that's almost ten yards a catch right there. Yeah. Um, and then the four total touchdowns. So every score that Colorado produced came through LaVisca Chenault Jr. I mean, that is, if there's one rule, I, th- I think as a coach. You, it's for an opposing team to at least try and limit it. You've seen teams yeah. limit Nikhil Harry. You know he's still going to produce. The best thing you can do is try and.
2: You got to get the ball in his hands.
0: Exactly, you got to get the, the ball one in one his one hands. One. Yeah,
2: but, but, going... but
0: going back to but going sorry, going back to Chanel. When when you have the when you are letting the best player on an opposing team's offense command the tempo and get as many touches as he is going to get, it's going to be really difficult to compete with that. No,
1: there's a flip side to that, and I'm I'm curious. Do we think maybe, we all know sports are weird. Things happen, and big-time players, they make big-time plays. Do we think that this was just one of those weeks where LaVisca Chenault just absolutely took over? And maybe in reality, the Sun Devil secondary did a pretty decent job overall. The defense did a pretty okay job but the talent that is LaVisca Chenault, who's just yeah, propelled himself monster, into the national conversation. I mean, maybe it was just one of those weeks and I, I'd i like to think It definitely think so. could have been,
2: but what, what Colorado did was put the ball in the hands of their best playmaker. Yeah. And you said it, big, big time players make big time plays. And that's what he did. And, and then ASU failed to, to give the ball to Nikhil Harry as much as possible. And, unfortunately for him when they did try to give him a chance in the in the return game he took that huge shot and uh left him injured so it's it's really tough it's really tough to say but when when you see Laviska chanel in the backfield on several plays for colorado yeah. and then asu's not if they can't get him the ball through the air maybe try something like that giving him the ball from for the run
0: not to not to get uh too far into it with the, as you mentioned the partner tournament i mean I, I just think it's a really ill-advised move. I get your best skill player. You give them, you no, want to give no, no, him additional no, 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 touches. No, 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 no,
1: no, no, You have to have Nikhil Harry back there. You have to.
0: Go well, back to that return have against to.
1: Washington, that was a huge play for you him. You have to, especially if you're running the ball like a madman. You have to put Nikhil back there.
0: I I I disagree with that comment. For I mean, for injury concerns and yeah. for his own for his usage as a receiver. You uh-huh. I mean special teams I mean considerably is probably the most dangerous facet of football itself so I mean it's a little bit it's a little bit ill-advised to throw him back there if you're Edwards and you know this guy's got aspirations of being a first or second round NFL draft pick I mean to a degree yes you want to win college football games but to another degree you got to look out for the man's future well, I mean how do
2: you guys feel about that that hit I mean the guy w- was out of bounds for a good amount of time what what were, what were...
1: What were you guys' thoughts? Yeah, at first, it was like, oh, my God, that's an illegal play. Oh, my God, look at Twitter. Everybody was losing their minds. But in reality, like, you know, we, we saw the replays afterward. It was a legal play. It was entirely okay. Yes, he was out of bounds, and they probably could have called it. But he did reestablish position inside the, inside the sidelines, and he made a tackle. And granted, his timing was impeccable. And whether that was on purpose or not, there's no way Nikhil Harry could have seen him through his peripheral vision, and he made a play. So yeah, it looked bad at first, but I mean, as time has gone on, we see that it's technically, air quotes, a legal <laughs> play. So I
0: mean, you know, what do you what do you want to do about it? I mean, there's, yeah, there's really nothing else you can say about the play. I mean, the guy went out of bounds. He he re-entered the field of play. He made a hit. He made a hard hit at that. A big hit. But I mean, so I mean, credit to him for making the for recognizing where he was and where Nikhil Harry was. But I mean, yeah, I think you definitely can make an argument for him stepping out for being out of bounds for maybe quote too long, but there's really no way there's no, there's no set rule saying how long you can be in or out when you're, when you're blocked out of bounds. So, I mean, unfortunately for Nikhil Harry, it's just a tough break, but there's no rule for it. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of on, I'm kind of indifferent on the subject matter itself. Yeah. Um, now we were Before before this punt return, so I apologize for the sidebar there, guys, but um, we were talking a little bit about the time of possession in that fourth quarter and Arizona State lacking it, really. Just a minute 40. And, again, this week we heard Herm Edwards say he wants to control the time of possession for this team. But, I mean, it's a bit ironic coming from where Arizona State has stood nationally, just 27 minutes per game with the ball, they're being outpossessed on average, and they rank 111th out of 130 Division One teams. I mean, hmm. how, can you, how can you assume that your team is one thing, is, has this identity, when they're not showing it? it? It's,
1: yeah. I mean, you're right. Stats don't lie in this case, especially with time of possession. But I don't know. I think, I really just think it's, it's going to have to be a come-to-Jesus moment for Herm. Where he's eventually going to realize that, you know, there has to be that middle ground between running the ball like a madman, like you're playing in the 1970s NFL, and throwing the ball like you're playing in a oh, what year? Oh, 2018, which is now. So there, the talent's there, the plays are there, the scheme is there. I really just, I feel it's just a matter of time, because he he's hitting his head against this wall it's not really working the last couple of weeks it worked in the beginning but that's when there was that balance well
2: you're not to well, you're not going to be able to run the ball on first second and third down against fronts say like Washington and now after the bye, Arizona State has to take on a, a huge front seven in Stanford when when you have these opportunities to to go downfield and it comes down to converting on third down. We've, taught, we've talked about time of possession, and if the defense is on the field too long because the offense isn't converting on third downs and in the necessary situations, you got to sustain drives. So, yes, it's good to run the ball and control that aspect of the game, but if you're not converting, then it doesn't mean
0: anything because you're not keeping the ball. You're, you're punting it away to the other team. Now you guys are gonna hate me for this transition, but it's absolutely corny. Speaking of time, Arizona State is starting to run out of it. One and two in conference play, another missed opportunity. Three losses by a combined twenty-one points. That is just absolutely brutal. But the glaring miss, the glaring stat here, for me at least, yeah. is Manny Wilkins' road record as the starting quarterback. I mean, oh, yeah. but real quick before we get to that, I mean, obviously him and Nikhil Harry going out is a massive blow to their chances in the second half, of course. Harry going down on that punt return, that, like we talked about. Manny going down, and getting bent over, kind of like getting bent backwards, excuse me, on um his um on that sack, on his sack yeah, when he was hit on his on his, on the sack on the final play offense possession for Arizona State. Um. Now just three and ten on the road though. That's that is for someone that's supposed to be a leader. I mean, he wears the C on his jersey. He's a vocal guy around the team. He's a statistically he's been a leader. In, in terms of his yeah. arm, but I mean, his play on the road just does not show that. I,
1: I so as much as I, I think it is a problem with just the team in general, I think this is bigger than just Arizona State. Now, college football, we all know, is one of the most daunting, one of the most challenging events in all of sports. Playing on the road, it's hard. The fans are crazy. The students are generally crazy as well. Everyone's having a good time. It's much louder than NFL games, at least the second, third, and fourth quarters of NFL games if they're not close. But I really just feel that there are a select few teams, those top 15 teams in college football that dominate, no matter where they are. They can play anywhere. They can play with the big boys. They can play on the road. They can dominate at home. Arizona State, I just don't think they're at that point yet. And the entire time we've been at school, I, me and Zach have been here for four years. You've been here for three years, right? Ethan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. So they've never, especially, been good on the road, and I don't even think that. I I think that's just a matter of. of well, they're not talent. scared. They're well, like I don't well, think they're scared. I, they're at not all. scared at all. I, it's just it is a completely different game when you're on the road.
2: You gotta. I feel like they they need to make those plays that that show that they're a dominant team because. But they're not. So you yeah, can't make not. those plays. So, so you go on the road against Washington they they competed they competed their butts off oh they're playing and, well and Herm's ideology of of controlling the clock and using the, utilizing the ground game I felt like worked against Washington mm-hmm. but they didn't have that one big play that that opened it up for them and then against San Diego State um, it was the, the deep balls were working in the first half they got away from it in the second half couldn't convert on third down and now they go on the road to Colorado they're their defense doesn't get any big turnovers. It's just I feel like they're lacking that one big play yeah. that
1: turns the tides on in these road games. And that that's what I'm, that's kind of my point. They they don't have that sustained culture of make the extra play, and that is something that takes time. And I think that is something that is being established right now. And it it, it will take time. And if there's someone to do it with, I think it's to have someone like Herm Edwards lead the way.
0: Absolutely does. I mean, Edwards clearly has been. I mean, his culture. The culture shock at Arizona yeah. State is earth is is. It could move mountains. I mean, it is just absolutely revolutionary. It's a complete change. You can feel it. You absolutely. It's 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 very it's palpable around the program. It's very noticeable. But I mean, now is a big opportunity for Arizona State. They have the bye week before this little gauntlet they're going to have to run through if they want to have any chance in the South. Oh boy! But I mean, we're gonna let's. For now, at least, with this bye week, we'll give We'll give the Sun Devils a break for their on-field performances against Colorado, and look at this first six games more as a whole. So, I mean, right now, we're, we're going to rattle off a couple of quick-fire questions. I want you guys to each answer. We can talk about it, too, if you'd like. But who is your mid-season MVP of this Sun Devil team?
1: Truthfully, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, you know what? I really want to give it to Eno you know, Benjamin. I think he's been fantastic. I think he's turned heads. He's been really good. But the player that really has impressed on a grand scale has been Merlin Robertson. He's been fantastic. As a freshman. Yeah, as a freshman. true freshman. He's just impacted every single game he's been in, with the exception of, I think, San Diego State. He had like two tackles or something like that. But the guy has been fantastic. He's been all over the field, he's been downfield in coverage, but where he's really made an impact is getting to the quarterback, getting those pass hurries, and also you know, doing his job as the man holding down this defense in the middle. So right now, you know, I'm a big defense guy. I'm going to go with Merlin Robertson.
0: I'm going to join you with Robertson there. I think he's been absolutely exceptional as a tackler and a leader, despite his age. I mean, he's always – Antonio Pierce before the season said this is a guy that always plays up in terms of his age-wise. Played against bigger guys, older guys. I mean, he does not look like a freshman out there. He's so composed. His poise is so – Otherworldly for a freshman. I mean, yeah. I mean, think this is a guy that eventually will compete for national defensive awards. Forget forget Pac-12 first wow. team. I mean, this is yeah. a guy that really has the it. it factor to take the Arizona State defense to the next level. I and mean, they're going to get at least two more seasons of him. I'm really excited to see how he develops and grows.
2: Well, to go on the offensive side, it's it's quietly been Frank Darby for me. He's been the really? player. Yeah, surprisingly, he's been that player that is, that is putting ASU in a position to win games. And, you know, you go back to the, the first real game against San Diego State. Frank Darby Frank Darby was exceptional. He was that go-to guy when Nikhil Harry wasn't open. And even at the end of the play on, on the targeting call, he was the one that gave ASU that, yeah. that possibility to come out with a win against all odds. And then against Colorado, guess who showed up? Frank Darby. Catching that that amazing pass from Manny Wilkins, being that guy when when Darby excuse me, Nikhil Harry is always blanketed. And I think that really gives a boost to the offense, especially when you have a deep threat like him.
0: I'm definitely impressed by Darby. I don't know if I'd call him my MVP. I mean obviously everyone has their own opinion here. Well, but...
2: just to go off the board, I mean you could offensively, you know, Benjamin's been amazing, yeah. but but that quiet player that has that has been there when ASU really needs a big play has been Frank Darby. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: I mean, I think Darby is definitely capable of continuing to play like that. I'm curious if there's a point in time where Arizona State can refine him as a receiver, maybe polish his route-running ability, use him as a blocker downfield. I mean, see see what else they can get out of him because definitely when it comes to just vertical threat...
1: He's unmatched.
0: He's absolutely been outstanding. Um, Moving on to that, obviously, we you I think this is pretty... Set in stone for you and I. But biggest newcomer, Ethan, I'm only gonna ask you because Robertson's a freshman. He doesn't look like one, he doesn't play like one, but he is one. So yeah. I mean that covers it for Rich Knight. Who is your newcomer of the year?
2: The biggest newcomer for me, I would have to say he didn't have a great game against Colorado, I'll give you that. But Taryn Adams, he, he's come in and oh, yeah. he's been a dynamic player in the secondary for ASU when Chase Lucas and Kobe Kobe Williams need need gas of air. They need a break. Taryn Adams has been that guy that's come in. He's calm. He's collected and he's confident out there. And he, he led he led ASU in tackles against Oregon State on on the defensive side of the ball. And he's definitely showed up as a JUCO transfer for the Sun
0: Devil team. He's definitely made an impact. He's made it a lot easier. Excuse me my voice is starting to fail. I mean, it's been a long day for us all, I'm assuming. But, uh, I mean, Kobe Williams and Chase Lucas, both look really good. Adams really compliments them both as a slot corner playing in the deep as well.
1: Is it crazy to say that maybe the newcomer of the year, and he's been injured the last three games around the middle of the third quarter, but could it be Casey Tucker? Could it be? Because you move Cole Cabral over to the center position, you got Tucker in at the left guard, and then you got Robertson at the left tackle, and ASU is running the ball better than they ever have.
0: Uh He's making left, an impact. I'll say left guard Casey Tucker has a has a case, a very small one at that though. It, but it's a case. It's absolutely a case. I'll give you the I'll give you the argument that it's a case, but I would say Present
2: the facts, Rich. No, I just kidding. did the running the ball <laughs> better than they ever
1: have.
0: I, I would say though that the play of left tackle Casey Tucker so poorly overshadows everything left guard Casey Tucker has done. He and
2: I rest my he's days. been
0: and he's been injured. As a left guard, so I'm gonna bury that case right there. All right. All right moving right, on, right, though.
2: Whatever. Whatever.
0: Moving on, though. We're we're starting to run here, guys. We gotta. We I'm trying to get us inside inside of this marker. Time possession we're at 27 minutes. We're looking like ASU right now. So, <laughs> um, win projections. Fire them off real quick. And do does Arizona State make a bowl? Go, Ethan.
2: I'm gonna go with seven and five, and is gonna make that cheesy bowl at the end of the year.
0: Yeah, I'm.
1: You know, I'm looking at the schedule right now. I see at least two more wins with UCLA and Arizona, so it's it's gonna be Maybe tough. But I, th- in there I somewhere. think. I, th- I think they'll. I think they'll get to a bowl game. I think they'll get
0: to six wins. You know, I'm gonna be the uh, the pessimist. I was definitely very optimistic. I think the first time I talked about this earlier in the season, with preseason. I think I had them going eight and four, and possibly even nine and three, something ridiculous like that. But uh, <laughs> I'm gonna flip that to it, almost almost. We're gonna go five and seven. Say they miss. Okay, all right. Uh they miss a bowl game. I think the schedule down the stretch is just a little too tough for Arizona State to have a chance here. Uh I see them I could see them picking up wins against UCLA. I could see them beating Arizona on the road, but I mean that's four. I mean, I think they're gonna have to pull an upset to get that fifth win. I don't really see another one besides that. I mean it's it's gonna be tough.
1: I mean, you look at the, like Stanford, that's gonna be almost impossible phrase with how they're playing right now you know the bye week is going to help for that to get a little bit of a reset get everybody healthy there's a good shot there but the i don't know maybe maybe oregon maybe it's at it's in eugene that's
0: I, tough. the zoo is the zoo is an animal in its own i don't think arizona state has what it takes they can't win in boulder chances are they're not going to win in eugene That that's just my take on the matter but one final question before we wrap up here Who makes it to the Pac-12 title game? Give me your winners in each division, and that is all I need from you boys.
2: Okay, so we have Washington and Oregon facing each other this weekend. If Washington outlasts Oregon, Washington's going to make it from the north, and so far it looks like
1: Colorado's coming out of the south. Now, Rich? Hmm, this is tough. The Pac-12 has, like, at the top, the teams are good. They're very good. Stafford, Washington... Colorado's proven to be very good this year. Uh, you know, right now, though, I'm just thinking that I'm feeling USC in the South. I think they're going to pull it together. And then it's hard to go against Washington. So I'm going to say the Huskies are going to take on the Trojans. Trojans. Wow.
0: Wow. Huskies, Trojans, packed 12 title. That was a rematch from a couple years ago, if I'm not mistaken there. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vary it up a little bit here. You know, as... I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to agree with you with USC. I think the Trojans, it was really a matter of time. Yeah. And I think they were gifted too many wins early in the season. I think that edging Washington State, surviving a game against Arizona, they had 18 penalties in, is just absolutely yeah. absurd. Uh, But, I mean, that's the, nonetheless, that's 2-1. and one. Yeah, they lost to Stanford. But I really think you give a Clay Helton team time to mature, grow a little bit, they're going to be great. And then in the north, I'm going to go with the Ducks. I think Oregon. Wow, the
1: Ducks. Okay.
0: I mean, this team challenge stands for tooth and nail. Really could have won that game just as easily as they lost it. They beat Washington this week. The race is on, man. We've got ourselves a great race. But the one team I'm going to highlight that is a little off the grid here is Washington State. Hats off to Gardner Minshew. I'm not going to lie, guys. I am possibly the most biased Gardner Minshew fan that is (laughs) not living currently in Poland. Where does this come from? I don't know, but it's definitely not my roots in Pullman because I've never been to the <laughs> town and I don't really plan on going in the near future anytime soon. Um, But I think, I mean, the fact that this team has only got one loss halfway through the year and that just really – that came almost solely That's on shocking. the fact that Porter Augustine got away with a ridiculous targeting no-call in against, against Washington State.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It just blows my mind. Mike Leach just continues to find quarterbacks that are scraps almost because, I mean – Vinci was awful at East Carolina. This guy comes in, he's played six games. He passed the season total that he had in ten games last year in passing yards. He's passed his touchdown ratings. I mean He's doing well. he he's, he's got a pass rating over 150. That's that's ridiculous. And it's I no think joke. I mean this is continuing the quarterback. Absolutely. Legacy, exactly. He's Luke Falk two I mean, I don't think he's good enough to go beyond Washington State. But I think I'm all in on the next six games and watching what this guy can do because you never know, one upset. And the Cougars suddenly make Apple Cup weekend another trip to the Pac-12 title.
1: Wow, that would that'd be something. Seriously, because coming into this year, you you just you pencil Washington State. eh, now I'm gonna have to worry about them. But uh, you know, shouts to my little sister. It's her uh, first year there, so hope she's
0: doing well. Well, for her sake, I hope Minshew and Koa uh, keep things interesting. But for now, we'll have to see if ASU can resolve some things, get back into the groove of it, and turn things around come Stanford week. But that's all we've got for our bi-week edition of the playoff, excuse me, of the Devils in Detail podcast. Once again, you're listening to Ethan Schmidt, Richard Giraffo. I'm Zach Piquel. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope to hear from you next week.